Well, good morning, friends. Thanks for joining us. I told you yesterday that we were going to have a special guest, a mystery guest joining us, and so we have Pastor Bob Reed here with us today. Uh, Pastor Bob, how many years of ministry experience from the time that you were a youth pastor at Calvary Church all the way to even today and what you're doing at Lancaster Bible College, how many total years of ministry experience do you have? Well, I had, uh, actually, I had two years uh, working for college um, full-time while I was a student full-time. Oh, wow. And then uh, then I was eight years at Calvary Church involved in as a youth pastor first and then moving into Christian education. And then from there I came here in 1979 and I was here until uh, just a few months shy of 33 years. Okay. I left here on Christmas Day. Okay. On uh, 2011. So 43 years plus what you've been doing since you left here, which has right. been ministering and to I've churches. Been, and, and I've been about nine years at Lancaster okay. Bible College. Now. So we're over 50 years of right. ministry experience. Yeah. And, uh, that's amazing. And of course, many of you know Bob is married to Doris, and I understand that Doris has received sainthood for having to be quarantined with you. That's right. <laughs> That's right. She, she's, I, I, somebody sent me a thing and said, Doris is probably knitting a noose right now because of uh, having to be in the house with you. I, I said, thank you very much. Well, and seriously, uh, how, how are you and Doris both coping with the changes that the coronavirus has brought? Uh, we're doing real well. Uh, you know, it's a it's a an adjustment because it's it's a type of isolation for us, and uh, I'm used to being with students, you know, all the time, and pastors, and you know, out and about. And so is Doris. I mean, mm. I think in some respects it affects her a lot. Um, she's very active at uh, Calvary Fellowship Homes and volunteering. Still, um, uh, is a lacrosse official for mm. girls lacrosse. And all that stopped, obviously. And, uh, you know, we are restricted. We can't go into certain areas at, at uh, Calvary Homes because we're in independent living, and we're trying to protect the people that are in, in uh, the, main, the main building. And so isolation is one thing. Uh, shopping is a hassle for everybody, mm -hmm. and it's a hassle for us. And what I do is I stop around uh, at our neighbors, and I ask them, you know, are you okay? Do you need anything? Because even though they're in independent living, <clears throat> some of them aren't that independent. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'll pick up an odd item here and there if I can find it. Mm -hmm. And then I think um, I'm, I'm basically just tired of hearing bad news. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, you almost can't get away from it everywhere you go. And so what we do is we put on a music channel and just listen mm -hmm. to that. And uh, we've limited ourselves to uh, just listening to the news maybe once a day uh, and you know even online um, you know with the technology it just keeps it in your face yeah. and I uh, shy away from those items and then I the other thing that surprised me is as we went into isolation it seems like the phone got quieter I mean yeah. I'm thinking yeah. really I mean I, I'd rather hear a voice than get an email message or a text um, that's just a I think it just puts another level of connection. Uh, makes it just a little bit more personal when everything else has become impersonal. Yeah. And um, so I, I think I, I'm encouraging some of the students that are still contacting me 
they want me to do Zoom Bible studies. Okay. And I said, I don't even have the software for Zoom, so they're sending it to me. This ought to be a joke. I'm trying to include it. So that's what's basically happening for us. Wonderful. And we're all learning new technologies, it seems like, in this day and age. Um, as I think about your ministry tenure and how extensive it's been, many different contexts, many different years, even since you've retired from Calvary Monument, you've worked with numerous different churches, you've seen numerous different circumstances and situations over all these years, and I'm wondering, could you pick out one uh, event or one circumstance in your ministry tenure that you would kind of maybe most closely align to what we're experiencing today with the coronavirus? Uh, you know, I was, I was thinking a little bit about that. I'm not sure I can pick one particular event. Uh, there have been so many events in life, and that's one of the things I think people have to keep perspective. I was uh, jotting down, um, you know, from my childhood all the way through. I mean, there's been wars that we've gone through. Uh, there's been uh, financial crises uh, all over the place. I think one of the ones that sort of put people into panic mode, which is maybe comparable to this, would be what they call Y2K. Oh, and why, Y2K, everybody was buying up everything. Stores were out of water. Uh, you know, people are buying up bread. They're buying all the staples. They uh, had, they, as a matter of fact, they think some of those people are in good shape for right now. They probably still have stuff left over from <laughs> Y2K that they had hoarded then, and now they're using it. But it, it, that sort of reminded me about the panic because it was the uncertainty. They didn't know where it was going to go. It was... Every computer in the nation going to go down. Um, it was that kind of thing. All the chips in, in airplanes and, and all of those things. I think that was, was one, and that was, that was international. A lot of the crises we've had, and I thought of some of those, like TMI, that oh, happened yeah. when I was yeah. here, and people were, you know, they were abandoning Harrisburg and all that area. A lot of them were coming out here. I'd even talked to the church about if it if it came uh, pushed came to shove, would we open up uh, Lefevre Hall and um, and areas like that uh, to um, you know house people? Mm -hmm. uh, well, it wasn't Lefevre Hall that wasn't built, but in, in some of our areas in the building. But um, you know that was that was another one that came to mind. Uh, the nine eleven that was that was uh, fast, mm. uh, and uh, you know it was it had long-term ramifications, but it was rather fast. But there's been all sorts of things. I mean, um, you know, I've lived through the Cuban Missile Crisis hmm. when I was a kid, uh, and we were, you know, hiding under desks, which was kind of ridiculous when you look back at it now. <laughs> um, you know, but, but it put fear in everybody's heart, and I think that's where we are. Fear is, a, is, a, is something that causes panic. And I've been telling uh, students for years that... Um, the one thing they need to keep in mind is that basically life is a series of changes with mm -hmm. an occasional crisis thrown in. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're in. We're in a crisis mm -hmm. and a time of change. And so uh, I think that's one of the things that's really uh, stood out to me. Sure. I've heard it said before that <clears throat> fear is contagious. And I think you certainly see that with the national news media and a lot of the different publications and resources that are putting news out in this. It seems that um, playing off of fear uh, garners a lot of views, a lot of attention, and, and that's unfortunate. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and people get annoyed when somebody's positive. I, yeah, I think that's yeah. that's interesting to see that. Uh, 
uh, are not to be political, but even when the president says something positive, everybody jumps all over him mm -hmm. because he's not negative enough. Right. right. And um, but uh, you know that's also news media doing that, which tends to sell more when it's bad news. Right. Because they get more clicks and they right. get more attention. But I do think that. Um, I think that it's it's important for us to maintain a positive posture in the middle of panic. Yeah, well, it's good. It, it's one of the ways we can uh, continue to to shine the gospel and be countercultural. There's this word that has been coming up over all of social media and in the newspapers. We've seen a lot of it. It's this uh, word social distancing uh, or social isolation. I think you mentioned it earlier, and so. The concern has been, how can we live out the gospel? You know, Jesus calls us to love our neighbors, uh, to show hospitality. What are some practical ways that we can continue to love our neighbors uh, through these times of social distancing? I, I think that uh, we have to be creative and realize that there are still ways to connect to people, uh, even though you can't shake a hand or even bump an elbow. Um, <laughs> I do think that that's one of the things that uh, I try to do um, in our in our neighborhood. Um, we have people across the street from us who are not part of our retirement community, mm -hmm. and as soon as I see them go out the door, I go out the door mm -hmm. and I, I shout over to them and ask how they're doing, and um, I comment on uh, you know how the kids are doing. I ask them questions if there's anything that they they need. Do you need any help? Uh, and then I always conclude: Is there is there any way I can pray for you? Hmm. And um, you know, and and uh, on several occasions, what I've done is I said, "Would you mind if I prayed with you right now?" And so there we are, standing in the street, and we're praying. And it's interesting because other neighbors are looking up upon this scene, and um, and I go up to them, ask hmm. the same question. But I do think that um, you know, there's there's gestures like I pick up newspapers for people that has been delivered to their driveway and I have a glove on and I go up and I take it to the porch for them but I do think that there's things we have to be creative we have to look beyond selfishness and I do think that that's one of the things I think the first response to a crisis is panic I think the second is that we become self-centered I think uh, we then become um, you know uh, we get to the place where finally we realize that a crisis isn't permanent uh, it, it's it's going to come to pass, and I think possibly that's what annoys um, some of the younger generation because of some of the older people. They've been through too many crises, mm. and uh, they realize you know they didn't last forever. Mm. And um, that's not to say that this isn't serious, not at all. But every crisis has been serious, mm -hmm. but this is a different thing, and it's it's looked at in different perspectives. Mm. Uh, there's. This is a. I have a family in Ireland, mm -hmm. and I'm in contact with them over there. That's why I'm very glad for social media. One is a doctor, and uh, he's on the in the ER in a Belfast hospital, and uh, they're just overwhelmed. And yet, mm -hmm. you know, he's a believer, and uh, he's keeping perspective, and he's sharing Christ. I think that's what we need to realize. This is a time for people to show confidence in Christ, mm -hmm. not that we're overwhelmed by a crisis. We're comforted by a Christ. Mm. And uh, that's, I think, uh, very important for a world to see. That's a way you can show love. Because I think that people who uh, walk into panicky situations, if they demonstrate peace, many times that peace spreads just like panic. 
that's um, true. So I do think that you know you have to you know be able to give people uh, a sense of hope and uh, to share uh, our hope. Um, what I do is every day as I'm having my personal worship time, I look for a verse, and then I look to see if there's going to be an opportunity as I'm talking to people around me to share something I've gotten out of my reading that day. Mm. And um, I, uh, I've done that regularly. And it's interesting how often, uh, the other day it struck me, there was an article in the Daily Bread. Mm. It was like it was written uh, for this crisis. <laughs> oh, wow. and, uh, you know, and I read it and I thought, wow, how interesting. This is probably written months and months and months before this event. And yet, here it is, the Word of God is pertinent to this situation. And I shared that with a person who, uh, I don't know their spiritual state. I said, man, I was reading something really neat today in the Bible. And um, I just told them what it was. And um, another person I told, I shared with them, I said, you know, a verse that's really encouraged me and, uh, that's come to mind is this. Um, you know, and I've shared uh, Scripture that way. Yeah. I don't think we have to preach, but I do think we have to get them focused away from... Uh, a crisis and focused upon something bigger than the crisis. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. It's a great reminder that the scripture offers hope and wisdom in days even like this. The scripture speaks into all different days that we walk through, and uh, certainly there were times of of great turmoil and distress in the Bible, and there was hope. Sure. Uh, and so it's wonderful to be able to share God's word with folks. Why do you think that God allows us to experience? times like these as a culture, as a church? Um. Um, I was thinking about that, and, and two things stood out. I mean, there are a lot of things that stood out, but two in particular because of our time. But um, I think it reminds us that we're not in control. Yeah. I think a lot of times we assume that we are. Yeah. I was reading, I'm writing an article for a newspaper and, uh, that I was asked to write, and as I was writing it, I thought, you know, toilet paper has become our comfort blanket. <laughs> You know, we're looking for comfort, and, yeah. and one psychologist said, look, people just want to believe that if they have enough stuff, they're going to be in control. And in what way, in what mindset is that going to help us? Yeah. And so I think it helps us to remember that God's in control, we're not. Uh, and that helps people who think that they're God. Mm. I, I think mm. the second thing is it reminds us that our false gods are helpless. Think of all the things that people uh, really focus upon. Sports figures, uh, entertainment uh, individuals, um, their money and their assets, uh, their occupations, you know, their significance is in what they do. All of a sudden, all that's gone. Mm. All those false gods have been ripped down. I was reading this morning in my personal worship time uh, the events of, of in, in uh, uh, Elijah's day. Mm -hmm. And I think of uh, him standing before the false prophets. He says, hey. What can your gods do? Yeah. They can't do a thing. You know, hey, you guys go first. Yeah. It didn't help. And they were powerless. Mm -hmm. And in contrast to that, you see a powerful God. Yeah. I do think that that's what we need to be really uh, focused mm -hmm. upon these days. Yeah. That's uh, so helpful. Uh, it's been, what, probably nearing a month since we first heard, or maybe even a little bit longer since we first heard of the coronavirus or the COVID-19 uh, outbreak and the pandemic uh, and the effects, even though it started in China, we were hearing about it. So we've had a little bit of time to reflect on what God may be teaching us or how we've seen God work through this. What are some ways that you've already begun to see God working through this pandemic? I think it's uh, caused people to realize um, 
that um, it's not big things that undo us. Sometimes it's small things. Mm. Uh, small things like a microscopic virus mm. can up, upset everything. Mm. And uh, I think that um, we need to realize that, uh, again, that, that God can bring small things in our life and he knows exactly when to do it, and he knows exactly what, what he wants to teach us by it. I think another thing is that it's causing people to really focus upon what's the real meaning of life. Um, mm. You know, we, we often uh, talk about that philosophically, but all of a sudden here we are talking about it practically. What, what does life really entail? Mm -hmm. My daughter and son-in-law and uh, our three grandkids are in Montgomery County. Mm. Montgomery County is in the, in the midst of... Uh, of the pandemic and you know uh they're on lockdown they're on lockdown yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, at that particular time you know we keep uh trying to encourage them mm -hmm. and remind them and uh and i do think that there's it's important for them to to really think look you know um i, I remember being in a church one time and a lady said we were there it was a african-american church and they were asking for favorite verses and her comment was, her favorite verse is, it came to pass. And I said, really? And I said that to myself. And then she went on to explain, because it came to pass, it didn't come to stay. And I'm thinking, you know, that's a good perspective. Yeah. And people need to realize that. I think uh, people are quoting scripture, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of news commentators. I've heard them mm -hmm. quote scripture. A lot of it out of context. But... But nonetheless, I think that they're looking outside of themselves. They know that they need something bigger. Government's not going to do it. Right. Society isn't going to do it. Right. You know, the people that we think have power, science, mm -hmm. science isn't isn't is doing a lot. And mm -hmm. I am thankful for the medical profession and all of those individuals. But it's not an instant cure, and right. they know that, and right. they're starting to see that you know that they need something bigger. And I think mm -hmm. that. People are also realizing that there's comfort uh, in churches. Mm. Um, I prefer to be, obviously, uh, with people. That's my uh, personality. Uh, but on the other hand, I also realize that uh, because of social media, a lot of people who never darken the door of a church all of a sudden are clicking onto sites. They're watching television. Um, they're they're looking somewhere where they haven't gone before, and I think that that's something I've seen. But I think it also points out to people the real fallenness of man. Yeah. They're seeing greed. They're seeing self-centeredness. They're seeing selfishness. Um, and you know, we put all people tend to put their hopes in people. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking they're they're beginning to see that you know, you know, we can't put confidence in man. And uh, I do think that we need to realize that. Uh, as I have written in an article, the battle's the Lord's. Yeah. Uh, the the battle's not ours. We're not going to win it that way. That doesn't mean we don't do what we should do. That doesn't mean we don't practice uh, social distancing or we don't practice washing our hands or we don't practice some of the things that are essential and we're being encouraged to do. But I do think that we need to realize that um, our world around us is is not what we think it is. Right. We can't have confidence in man. Yeah, well, that's so hopeful, and it, it's interesting, as I was thinking about that question today, how I've seen God at work, I was putting together a link roundup, and I was on Christianity Today, and one of the interesting articles on Christianity Today was that Iran uh, just, I believe yesterday, released one-third of their Christians who were imprisoned because of fear 
over the spread of the coronavirus in their prisons. And I thought, isn't it interesting? The Lord is is working uh, even through this virus in different countries in different ways that we don't even get to see or have insight to. And you hear a story like this, and it really reminds you of some of the stories in the Old Testament where the Lord used plagues or the Lord used other things to accomplish his purposes and bring about uh, the things that he would like to see uh, done. So it's encouraging to see he's still working. Yeah, using an old terminology, because I'm old, (laughs) but um, think of a blackboard. Hmm. I mean, uh, if you have white chalk, uh, white chalk really doesn't make an impression until there's a blackboard. Hmm. And in in my estimation right now, what we're seeing is the world around us is seeing the black. They're mm-hmm. seeing the blackboard. Mm-hmm. And what they need to see is that there are Christians who are writing on that board. And mm-hmm. what they're saying is glorify Christ. Yeah. And as Christians glorify Christ, they're writing a message on the blackboard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it shows up on a blackboard, not a whiteboard. Yeah. And so sometimes it's in the darkest of times that the brightest lights yeah. shine. And this is our opportunity to do that. And Christians ought to buy up the opportunities. Mm. Um that happened when we were in Ukraine. One of the times that um, it, that it occurred to me is on in 9/11. Uh, Neil Feltham and I were planning to go to Ukraine, and um, all the airports were closed and flights weren't going on. and And Neil and I prayed, and you know, what should we do? Because mm. it was like um, I think it was like three days after airports opened, or two days after airports opened, and. I had one elder who was saying, "No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't go out there. You should be, you should be, you should stay here. You got to minister here in the church." And by the way, that elder is no longer in the church. But <laughs> just aside, um, but uh, the interesting thing is, um, Neil and I believe that you know the decision that we made when it was light, we followed through on that decision, not mm. just because it became dark. Mm. We got to Ukraine, and Pastor Petrenko made the statement. He says, "We knew. We knew you said you loved us." But you came. Now we know you love us. Wow! And I have often wow. thought of that. That you know, you we tell the world we love them. Mm. Now you go to them mm-hmm. and show you love them. Mm. You know, be that piece of white chalk on the blackboard mm. and um, declare the message that needs to be broadcast to the world around us. Mm. That's wonderful. With that, why don't I close us in prayer? Sure. And I want to thank you for coming in, Pastor Reed, and taking time out of your day and closing the gap on this social distancing here. I know we're not quite six feet apart, but I'm sure it'll be okay. That's okay. I, I have I have hand sanitizer here oh, right in my pocket. Oh, and so I, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to yeah. pull it out and I give a squirt. Good. Wonderful. Well, let me pray and we'll wrap our time together up. Father, thank you for the time we can have together here. Uh, thank you for the wisdom uh, that Pastor Reed brings to a situation like this with over 50 years of ministry experience and and the many different events and circumstances that he's lived through in his ministry. And Lord, we would just pray for wisdom as we continue to walk day by day in making decisions in the midst of this pandemic. And Lord, we certainly pray that you would continue to deliver wisdom and guidance to the medical workers, to the government officials, and to the people that are on the front lines of this battle. But Lord, for ourselves, that you would encourage us with ways that we could continue to be hospitable and continue to show the love of Christ in these days to our neighbors around us and to the people that you place in our pathways. We know that you can use this, Lord, to help us to grow, and we pray that you would help us to do that in these days. We love you, and we look forward to being together again soon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.